Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Back Row Fantasy Show with your hosts, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms, and Brian Hux. Hey, welcome back to the Back Row Fantasy Show. It has been a while, but as usual, it's me barking. My far, 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 far left is Arms. Good morning. Good morning, good evening, whatever we want to call it. So we apologize for the lack of uh, lack of shows, I guess you could say. And the audio quality is going to be a little different because we are using uh, the internet to talk me in arms. We're normally side by side, sitting in the same room, blah, blah, blah. You guys know that shit. Onward we go. Arms. Uh, not that anybody cares, but how, how's quarantine? Um... Believe it or not, I'm getting through it by drinking heavily. That's uh, <laughs> of, of all. I'm kind of doing Go the ahead, same. Sorry. No, no, I was just gonna so, say I'm doing the same. Of all things, um, man, I, I've I joined this COVID nineteen beer chugging group, and it's basically you chug a beer and you post a video, and it's stupid, but it's. I don't know. It's fun. It's something to pass the time. And then we end up kind of branching off from that with a group of guys that, uh, from the area around here. And we're just – now we've got our own group called the Southern Ohio Stallions. Not Southern, but Southern with the S-U. Southern Ohio. And not Ohio, but Ohio, A-H-I-A Stallions. But it's – we have so much fun with it. We get on there, we tell stories, and we chug a beer. I mean, one night drinking, I bought a uh, uh, Das Boot from Beer Fest. It's a five, uh, five beers. It's what is it? Two liters. It's two liters of, of beer, and I'm gonna try that beast not too, not too many days from now. I might try it tonight. So it's been fun, man. Anything like a liter of cola? <laughs> similar, very liter, similar. Liter of cola. So we we sadly missed the draft. Things just haven't worked out scheduling wise, so we're we're kind of jumping right into uh, some finished rookie drafts that have already happened, which is kind of exciting. You were going to talk about the Raiders, something about the Raiders before we went live. So, yeah, I got to thinking. So, as you know, my my Christmas list for the Raiders went uh, Jerry Judy at. Um, pick 12 and then like cd lamb i'd have been satisfied with the rugs at 19 but go devil wide receiver right at the beginning and just set up that uh that offense for the next 10 years so to speak um but in true raiders fashion al davis rose from the dead and goes pick the fast guy so we got the fast guy you got the fast guy. and and man so i i've i complained about it for like a week and i, I was Under, mad. understandably I mean, you got as I the best way I could describe it, it was like Marvin Harrison with speed, and Reggie Wayne were both available. 
I'm not saying either of these guys are Hall of Fame level as those two are, but you know, with Judy and Lamb, you, you have kind of the the route runner with speed, and then just this electric after the catch guy, and we just get the fast guy. Yeah. Then I got to thinking. Hopefully he's go more. Ahead. Hopefully he's more. I just you know go ahead. I I, I mean there there is potential for him to he surprise. can work all three levels. Right. He he. I don't think he's Deshaun Jackson like I originally anticipated. And the more I watch, the more I realize, like, he does some underneath stuff. He goes across the middle. He just – he gets past people so quick. It's incredible. So, I got to thinking, you know, and I, not that there's a Jerry Judy every year. Not right. that there's a C.D. Lamb every year. But if the Raiders are picking mid-pack again next year, which is likely, you know, they're definitely an improving team. But let's say they're picking mid-pack. Odds are they're going, they're just going to be a good-sized route-running guy there. There's not – going to be Henry Ruggs there again That's this guy true. you know and the who just won the Super Bowl you know the Chiefs the only team in the NFL and I've said it before there's only one Tyreek Hill maybe what they see is here's our chance to get that one-of-a-kind guy that can completely flip the, the field on a play and we'll address receiver may you know they address it later in draft of course but maybe if, if those guys don't work we'll, we'll go with a higher profile receiver next year and then be done with it. So I, I've come to, to to peace with it, I guess. I mean, well, yeah, I mean Mayock you, knows more than I do. You have a player. I mean, this guy is considered by some to have been the best wide receiver in the draft, but the I, fact remains he was not the best wide receiver on his team. Mm-hmm. So I it's, think Pro Football Focus actually had him as their top receiver. And again, the transition of the pros, maybe something happens and he is the best wide receiver. Who who was the best wide receiver last year? Who was the best rookie wide out last year? Was it uh, uh, was it Redskins uh, Scary Terry? Was that, is that who it ended up being? McLaurin probably was the best overall like true performance receiver last year. Um, but I mean, Darius Slayton looked like stud several times throughout the year. You know, I mean. Yeah, so so it's not necessarily going to be the best guy coming in that ends up on top. Now I saw I saw an interesting uh, line from someone on Twitter. I'm sorry I can't at you on it. I don't remember who it was, but someone said, "Would it be wise to just go ahead and kind of deal our 2020 rookie draft picks for 21, based on the fact that?" we don't know what kind of fantasy season we're getting or what kind of season for that matter, which I, I have faith that there's going to be a season. They'll find a way. Yeah, I agree. But it, it could be weird. I mean, and it could be a lot of rust. We could see three or four games before any teams get going because of uh, lack of off-season programs and such. But ah, the excitement's too much. I mean, it's it's too much. I enjoyed drafting – I don't know what happens next, but I really enjoyed making the picks. And I'm, it's it's awesome that most of our drafts are out of the way for us to talk about it tonight. I agree. Um, I'm in four kind of full-on redraft books. Oh, by the way, I was scrolling through and just trying to see who the, the top uh, wideouts as far as uh, coming out last year were. And let's see, going down – was there not a wide receiver? So, Marcus Brown was the number one receiver off the board. And then Nikhil Harry was the number two receiver off the board last year. And I Nikhil mean, Hollywood Harry did some work. things. 
but AJ Brown, I me and you both agreed AJ Brown was our top guy. Yeah. And yeah. look what look what he did. I mean, he ended yeah, he up was showing up big in the second half and arguably the best yeah. rookie wide receiver of 2019. There's an argument yeah. to be made. So this year, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of the same. I mean, there's there's a lot of wide receivers and there's a lot of running backs. There's there's a lot of ways people could go. I mean, there's I've seen people that have Michael Pittman as their number one wide receiver. Of course, there was, you know, Rugs, C.D. Lamb to some was the best wide receiver. Judy, uh, a few people had Denzel Mims. Uh, it, it's just Ayuk. I'm sure someone had that. Maybe not. Uh, he was a first rounder. Mims wasn't. Yep. yep, very true. But so it's hard to tell who actually comes out on top. Maybe it is Rugs, but I will say. I absolutely loved following the rugs pickup with uh, Brian Edwards later in the draft. I, I thought that was a brilliant move because Brian Edwards is a guy that could surprise. I mean, Brian Edwards yeah. has top rookie potential right now on that team. I mean, who's he got to beat out? Tyrell Williams? And then hope uh, that Ruggs is, Lynn is Bowden. just a yeah, – Well, yeah, Lynn Bowden, but he's going to be a running back. Uh, he's going to be a weapon. Well, yeah. But, I mean, weapons don't catch 80, 90 balls. We'll so, see. maybe he's a good fantasy scorer. Maybe he's uh, Chris Thompson. Maybe he's, that that's what I kind of see Lim Bowden yeah, maybe being Chris I'll Thompson. Buy that. So, we'll see. But let's uh, let's dive in. Let's dive into the Brill first. The Back Row Invitational League. The draft is not completely done, but that, that league has a five-round rookie draft. We might as well say that league is done because we typically do four – four uh, rounds in rookie drafts, but here's what I want to do, Arms. I kind of want to do all three drafts sort of simultaneously. We've got the EFC, which is our main league, Red okay. Zone, which is kind of the same league, just doubled with a few different members, and we got the Back Row Invitational, which has a lot of our podcast friends on it. And I kind of want to go through the first number one overall in all three of those leagues, kind of compare pick by pick through those three leagues and talk about the landing spot and the player a little bit. So that being said, arms, unless you have anything to intersect with. Um, man, there was something else I wanted to say, but heck, I don't remember what it was. So it's must've been irrelevant. Let's roll. Okay. So our three main dynasty leagues pick one in each one. It goes EFC was Clyde Edwards. Solaire. red zone was Clyde Edwards. Solaire. The Brill, which is the podcast league, was J.K. Dobbins. Argument to be made for both, in my opinion. CEH seems to be the consensus number one in most leagues. And Dobbins is falling in a lot of leagues, which I think is ridiculous. And I'll, I'll talk about why after you kind of add to these picks. Where so, Do you agree with so all of them? CEH is, I mean, he's as chalk as chalk gets, right? He's an incredibly talented kid. Um, as I believe I've said it before, like he just, the more I watch tape on him, he's just like Maurice Jones Drew, just comes in NFL ready, uh, catch, can catch probably the best pass catcher, true pass catcher out of all the running backs. And it, he's not as fast as, like, presumably J.K. Dobbins, not as fast as Jonathan Taylor, not as fast as Swift, but fast enough. You know, strong enough, breaks the tackles, and and has already played with, you know, arguably an NFL caliber uh, quarterback. I mean, obviously, there's plenty to be seen from uh, Burrow at the next level. I think he's got it all, but you know, he knows how to run the routes. He's excellent in pass pro. I mean, I can't imagine Ceh coming off the field, and 
I think that's kind of for me what puts him at one one like opportunity. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, something you said just made me think of something too. Like when you when you think about the best running backs in league history, off the top of your head, who was the fastest? It's tough. And I, I and mean, I, I, it's tough. Barry Sanders, it, Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know what they ran. Well, not only that, I mean, they're just in the conversation with what? Emmett Smith. Emmett Joe, Smith was slow. Joe Brown. Yeah, Emmett Smith was not fast. Joe Brown. Uh, O.J. Simpson was pretty fast. Uh, Joe Brown. Jim Brown? Jim Brown, my bad. Uh, Where the uh, heck do you come up with Joe Brown? Mean That's a tackle Joe name. <laughs> mean Joe Green. Uh, whatever but no i'm with you speed doesn't speed kills but it doesn't doesn't necessarily dictate an effective running back yeah speed speed is a nice bonus or a nice change up but ultimately you want the guy that is going to rip off chunks of six to twelve and and make and you know 20 and 30 here and there they don't have to go all the way even the guys that can go all the way they can still be caught I mean, it's it's yeah. proven the fastest guy in any draft has been caught from behind. So, it's not like you draft a guy and it's like, okay, if he gets space, he's gone every time. That's not the case. You're you're just getting a higher percentage of a mm-hmm. of a long one. So, I would rather have someone that moves the chains. And Ceh is a guy that's going to move the chains a, a multitude of ways. I mean, the last time I can think of as far as real high-level success that I believe was speed-related, I think CJ2K, you know, Chris Johnson and what – I mean, that's him. Jamal Charles was – I mean, his game was speed as well. But other than that, I mean, did a guy like Jamal Charles perform better than a guy like on the same offense, Larry Johnson? Jamal no. Lewis? Jamal yeah. Lewis was not fast. Terrell Davis? I mean, the, the fast enough. Fast Exactly. That's perfect. I mean, this is where, like, uh, uh, Singletary last year ran a bad 40. Yep. You know, trashed, you know, fell in drafts over and over and over again. I mean, starts a guy who's probably going to be the starting running back, you know, even just writing on the wall based on what else he's got around him, look like he's going to be starting running back at least halfway through the season. And the dude's falling in drafts. Why? Because he ran a bad 40. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, again, it, it helps, but it's not everything. So I love the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pick by the Chiefs. He was the first running back taken. That obviously gives you extra incentive to take him first in your rookie drafts. Uh, but at the same time, I don't hate the J.K. Dobbins pick at 101 either because, listen, everybody's freaking out like, oh, man, J.K. Dobbins landed with the Ravens. Mark Ingram, you know, uh Gus Edwards, they, they've got – it's a crowded room. Okay, sure. J.K. Dobbins is the best all-around running back in that crowded room on a run-first team. A run-first, run-second, and probably run-third if they were in a in-distance team. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're built for. And comes out of a spread going to a spread with that RPO guy, you know. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is, is literally as – Listen, I don't think that Fields is anything like Jackson, but he's that's the a perfect fit. I agree, and and I and I think you you're not wrong if you draft J.K. Dobbins at 101. I actually moved up to uh, picks. God, what did I move up to? I guess I can find it. It's in it's in one of these leagues here. 
Uh, pick six in red zone. I got J.K. Dobbins at pick six, and I was Steel. ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic. So, I mean, I th- J.K. Dobbins on that team, as soon as Mark Ingram seeds more carries to him, I don't know if it'll be 2020 or 2021, but the fact of the matter is that Mark Ingram's 30, so the drop-off could happen. I don't think it's going to. I think Mark Ingram's one of those guys that can play well and into uh, maybe 32, but J.K. Dobbins is going to have a solid rookie year, and then he's going to build on it in 2021. So I don't think it's a bad pick at all. But win now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, pretty good pick. Chiefs have said that Damian Williams is a starter. Of course, they, of course, that's what they'll say, and of course, he probably will be to begin with. But just like Kareem Hunt, you know, stepped up and took over from uh, oh god, what was that kid from Seattle that went there for a short time? Uh, Spencer Ware. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kareem Hunt takes over for Spencer Ware. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is going to pass Damian Williams. It, it's a, it's a definite. It's going to happen. I mean, so. talent will prevail. He's he's everything that they need. Not yes, he is. A, he's not their first down guy, second down guy. He's their he's a three-down kid. He's I mean, a tougher I think... Kareem Hunt. I mean, he's, 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 a, he's a tougher Kareem Hunt. He's going to break more tackles than Kareem Hunt, but he can do the same things Hunt did. I, man, I Hunt was a Hunt's a baller though. Hunt, I don't know if he can break tackles like Hunt, but it's going. It's a very, very um, similar skill set. I think Hunt's a little bigger, but I think he's all in height though. I think he's like three, four inches taller, whereas Edwards Lair is like he's tiny. He's like five seven, five nine, where I think Hunt's like five eleven ish. Right. But but even still, I mean, height doesn't make a running back. We've seen that years year over year. Oh yeah. I mean, if anything, under six foot is what you want. I mean, successful running backs over six foot. I can name off the top of my head. Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry, AP, and that's it. I mean, off the you know, I'm, there's others out there, but that's yeah, Latavius the, Murray. The mold. Latavius Murray's pretty decent hmm. for, and I, I believe. But he's, he's not great. No, he's not great. But but yeah, I I worry more about a running back being too tall as opposed to too short. Uh, we're go- I'm going off the rails a little bit, but a guy that's caught my eye lately is J.J. Taylor, who signed as an undrafted free agent for the New England Patriots. That kid's a baller. He's like 5'5", yeah. though. <laughs> he's 5'5", but he's also 185. So he's basically a mini CEH. And I, and I, I just hate drafting Patriots backs. Oh, me too, and I won't. I mean, J.J. Uh, Taylor is intriguing to me. If I have an empty spot on my taxi by the time the season starts, J.J. Taylor is going to be my guy. But we digress. Maurice Jones drew great running back that was shorter. Ceh, he's he's going to be fine. Uh, let, let's move on real quick to 102 across these leagues. EFC, Chalk. EFC. I don't like it. DeAndre Swift went number two. DeAndre Swift went number two in red zone as well, and DeAndre Swift went number two in the Brill. So a clean sweep at the number two spot amongst our three main leagues. DeAndre Swift, I don't like it. I think his ADP, actually, that would put him as the number one back because, I mean, Dobbins slips to um, six in the one draft, so that plummets his, and then um, Edwards Alaire slips to fourth in another draft. So I think the ADP-wise, I think Swift is the number one back, but I, on Johnson is not going anywhere, and he's fine. He's not horrible. He's not great. He won't be on the field. He's always hurt. I, I mean, okay. I like Carry On Johnson too, 
but I mean, this is this is probably going to be a 50-50 split to start. And, Agreed. And, and again, I that's one of the reasons I don't like DeAndre Swift. Carryon Johnson is young. Uh, Damian Williams, not so much. J.K. Dobbins. And that is, is not. Young. That's not a pass, a rush first offense for sure. No, and Dobbins is young. Mark Ingram is not. So I mean, DeAndre Swift has more to contend with than the other two guys we've talked about so far. And plus, I have no faith, zero faith in a Lions running back. I just don't. It's been too long. And I know that DeAndre Swift will – people say, well, I mean, this is different. It's DeAndre Swift. Dude, the Lions have had a pretty solid amount of running backs over the years that were high upside. Like, I remember drafting mm-hmm. Kevin Jones high. I remember drafting – I knew he was going to throw Jones out there. Yeah, I remember drafting Javid Best uh, in the first round. I, You know, I, it happens. on Johnson, same thing. It just doesn't work out. It's like tight ends. That's why I'm a little scared of TJ Hawkinson right now because I just – it's been – well, I don't remember any tight end in Detroit ever, to be honest, but it's just been too long. So Swift is, like, not the number two for me. Yeah, so I think to me, I'm with you, and to me, it's more about. And do I think that he's a better running back than Carry uh, On Johnson? Yes, but I do think Carry On Johnson's good enough to even have Swift Swift passes him, keep 35 to 40 percent of the workload. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and, and especially if he's healthy. If he's healthy, he's a he's a different kind of running back than Swift, and and that might fit their scheme better. There's just too many question marks with Detroit running backs to me, but at least we don't have any and other not, ones to talk about at the two spot. It's all swift. Not to mention, you know, uh, carry on's more of a, you know, the way he ran in college, a little bit of a harder runner where as swift is that, that speed, he's got that speed game, you know, it, it make people miss. Not that that's not great. Obviously it's, it's a, you know, skill set you're looking for in the NFL, but man, I mean, two different guys bringing two different elements to the game. Good for Detroit. Not as good for fantasy, in my opinion. That that's the way I, I feel see like it this either. draft took it took so many studs and just said, We're gonna put you in a mediocre spot. Kind of felt that for way. For fantasy purposes. Which other people loved it. I mean a lot of people loved the Lions as a landing spot. I just I didn't. But on to number three, guess what? It's a clean sweep across all three leagues again. 103 or 1.3 as Woody Page would call it. Uh <laughs> Jonathan Taylor the, the Colts all three ways. Uh I love Jonathan Taylor. I love the fit. Again, it's kind of the same as Swift in the sense that you've got a young Marlon Mack to contend with, but Jonathan Taylor is much better than Marlon Mack in my opinion. So so uh, yeah. It's a good landing Go spot. I don't know about the receiving part uh because you they've got uh what what's the receiving back remind me i'm going Hines. blank tonight yeah Naheem Naheem Hines. Hines. but jonathan taylor it, it should be the workhorse there i don't know what they're going to do with marlon mack just a backup that gets five to ten carries a game or what but this is jonathan taylor's uh role i i have no doubt about it i would rather have taylor than swift myself actually i'd rather have taylor jk and ceh swift is firmly my number four running back out of these guys i i 100 agree on on all counts of this so one thing i'll say about uh the, the situation with taylor marlon mack just feels like that guy who's going to fade into obscurity 
like he was okay. Spencer Ware esque, so to speak. He, you know, he did all right. He seemed good enough, but was it situation? I mean, the Colts have what a top five offensive line in the league. That that team's been built from the front five back. You know, after they did everything they could to protect Andrew Luck, and he retired. You know, so we've got a guy who ran. You know, got a ton of carries in college. Knows what to do with the daggone ball in his hands behind a. a fleet of hogs just paving the way for him i absolutely love jonathan taylor's landing spot and i i think that uh i'll repeat it marlon mack fades into obscurity sooner than later i can't imagine jonathan taylor not seizing this job by the third game of the season yeah just it just simply makes sense so jonathan taylor to me it's again i don't think it's much of a question for me it, it's Taylor all the way. I did not get any Jonathan Taylor shares, which makes me a little bit sad. But I didn't get any DeAndre Swift shares either. Uh, moving on. Number five. Where are we at? Four. We're on four. Four. So in the EFC, C.D. Lamb was the guy. In red zone, it was Cam Akers. And in the Brill, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So we got our first three Three uh, three way split. Ceh, we've talked about. What do you think of Cd Lamb at the four spot? I personally don't love it. I feel like this is just the only person this helped in fantasy was Dak Prescott and and Zeke. Like this is it, it's hurting Gallup, it's hurting Amari Cooper, and. I mean, C.D. Lamb went from a lot of people would have been drafting him. Come, you know, even as a rookie, if he goes into a team as an, as the number two guy walking in, you know, kind of that guaranteed spot, people are going to draft him as a you know back end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three, and that's gone. I can't imagine, and I think the talent's there, but I can't imagine him catching sixty balls this year. I, I can't either. There's just too many weapons, like. I mean, if if uh, Gallup and Amari Cooper were on their way out the door next year, mm-hmm. okay, I could see picking C.D. Lamb pretty high. C.D. Lamb, does he have the potential to be the best of the three? He does. But yep. Amari Cooper's still good, and Michael Gallup is highly underrated, in my opinion. So I I, I don't like it at pick four. I, I could see it three, or more, three to four more picks down the board, but not at four. But then again... If, if you believe that talent conquers all, sure, whatever. But I don't like it. Cam Akers, but I there, do the like argument that. Can be, the argument can be made that he's not even more talented than the other two. He, You know, it's a similar talent set, and then they have the experience. So, I mean, if anything, he's just taking coverage away from the guys that Dak's already comfortable with. Or vice like, versa. I, I, or the other guys I, take yeah. coverage from, you know, C.D. Lamb. It, it could end up that way. Now, one thing I will say, CeeDee Lamb's going to be running up against a slot corner the, the rest of his career or for the next year or two anyway. So he's going to be beaten up on, you know, not pr- pr- uh, primary coverage. That spells really good news for CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Well, Dallas is smart. I, I thought the pick was great. I mean, you going to stack the box when you play Dallas? No. You can't. You can't. I, I mean, there's there's nothing you can do. They can beat you just about any way they want and Blake Jarwin's not a bad tight end either so I love the pick about that I love the pick from a football standpoint but fantasy I think I think you got to wait 
too long to really cash in on CD Lamb, and and I'm a win now kind of guy. So that that one's not working for me now. Cam Akers arms, I I like that one. <laughs> so so Cam Akers goes to like what the the worst offensive line in the NCAA yeah. to the worst offensive line in the NFL. I mean, yeah, it's debatable, but it's close. It's it's in the conversation. So if anybody can can rush for a thousand behind that line, uh, besides Todd Gurley, it, it's Cam, the new Cam, the new the new Cam in the NFL, the only Cam uh, that means something that's actually on a team. So here's what I'm gonna say. It, I, I, I've said it before the draft. Cam Akers is the most uh, intriguing prospect. Like you just don't know what he really is, because he got hit behind the line of scrimmage, and I'm talking like at the handoff, so many times in his career. But yet he still managed to r- rush for like 1,200 yards this past year. You know he put up the production. Man, if he's getting hit behind the line in the NFL, he's done. You know, he's not Todd Gurley. Like, I don't see him as this elite-level prospect, this elite-level NFL guy. Could be proved wrong. That's happened before. But, man, I'm, he's in the – he's probably in the – what, to me, the third-best situation. But yeah, I, I, It's debatable that he's in the fourth-best situation. But, uh, I mean, I, I believe in the talent of Cam, and it, I think he's kind of in a situation, too. I mean, Daryl Henderson – we can't say a lot because he didn't show a lot, but he is another young running back that is there in Los Angeles that Cam Akers has to beat out. I mean, are we going to be shocked if Daryl Henderson is, is the main ball carrier in 2020? No. It won't be shocking. I mean, I expect Cam to be that guy, but it, it won't be shocking if he's not. Man, I just see Cam Akers' situation. I think Ryan Matthews. Yeah. I, I I just keep seeing that in my mind over and over again. It's like, oh man, this guy's primed for success. Uh, is he though? Ryan Matthews was primed for success, but oh by the way, he had a Hall of Famer that's in front of him. That's the reason he was, you know, that's the reason Ladanian Tomlinson was able to get the yards he did. He was a Hall of Famer. Todd Gurley has Hall of Fame level talent. I don't think Cam Akers does. I just I, I think he's getting put in this great situation, and it looks really good on paper, but that team they can't move the, they can't block for him the way that he's going to need to be blocked for my opinion I, probably well, wrong i mean year to year things can change so i mean if the which the rams did nothing to help their offensive line this off season but there's still time i mean there's still time they could swing a deal they could sign a post june 1st you know cut somebody that got released they could add him uh but yeah i'm not in love with it. The only way I'm comfortable having Cam Akers is if I have Daryl Henderson too. Funny story, I traded pick 116 for Daryl Henderson in one of these leagues, and then Cam Akers gets drafted, and I don't have the capital to get him. Or maybe I had the capital if I would have like if I would have known he was going to get drafted so high. But I I rested on my laurels and my picks, and Cam Akers got selected, and I was like shit. What am I going to do? So what I ended up doing was I ended up trading Daryl Henderson and a pick for Rojo, uh, for Ronald Jones. That way it kind of fell to me that I got Keyshawn Vaughn at pick 11. That way I had a backfield. because that, re- that was a good hedge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to. I, I had Daryl Henderson, and I didn't have the opportunity to get Cam Akers, so I immediately 
you know, turned to Ronald Jones. I was like, if I can get this guy to come off Ronald Jones for Daryl Henderson and a pick, I'm going to do that, and I will overdraft Keyshawn Vaughn at pick 11, which I did, which we'll get to that. But I, it really – the Cam Akers selection really screwed me on my early plan to go with Daryl Henderson and whoever the Rams drafted. I expected the Rams to draft, like, maybe Zach Moss in round three or four, and mm-hmm. I could grab him too early so I'd have that pairing. But then they threw me for the loop, loop and went Cam. So – yeah, I, I don't love it, but I was able to recover, I guess. But no no uh, Cam Akers shares for me. I don't know if you have any or not. Oh, no. So, I, I in the EFC, I'm in win-now mode. The Brill, you know, champ champ. Uh, um, the champ is here. Oh, God. Ba- Bauer? But, um, Say that again, I, arms for Bauer to hear. What did you do in the Brill? I just said the, the, the champ is here. Oh, God. Oof. Anyhow. Um, I, I'm, I had to make some moves. So I don't, I don't think I didn't have first rounder in any of my drafts in the red zone. I ended up in a spot last year to where, um, I, I can't even remember who I ended up with. Long story short, I traded two players to get a run or I traded a pick and a player to get a running back in Terry McLaurin after Terry McLaurin was already blown up and it happened to be my first rounder. Ah, you gotta do what you gotta do. I would with say it's like Deva- Devonta Adam or, or not Devonta Adams, uh, Devonte Freeman and uh, the the my first rounder, and I end up with uh, with Scary Terry and I think Darius guys. That worked out pretty well, I think. So on, on yeah. to pick. Hey, five. also, sorry, I forgot. I didn't. It's been so long. Ironically, odd situation. I'm in a uh, Madden league with Darius guys. Oh yeah, I, I told the uh, the folks in our back row chat about that, and they they, I thought they'd be more impressed. I thought it was pretty cool, but I think it's cool as heck, man. Like he's he's a genuinely good dude. Um, he just posted, hey, you know, anyone want to join a Madden league? I'm gonna try to fill all th- all thirty two teams, and I I said, when's it draft? He shot me a DM. We kind of got back and forth. My nephew, um, one of his friends, are in it. Had a few more buddies, and then. Dude, he his league is intense. Like you got to do a 60-40 split run pass either way. You know, you could be 60 run wow. or 60 pass. And then um you can't run back to back plays. So like all the crap, the cheese garbage that people do on Madden to where oh, I'll just keep running this play over and over again. Right. You can't do that. And uh you I mean even you have to go 70-30 between different uh different sets in defense and between man and zone so i mean dude it's intense and like there's fourth down rules the whole nine the way he's they're trying to simulate the game the way it should be and ironically it's a nfl red zone uh, franchise league i believe nice nice that should be fun hopefully you can eventually get uh mr dg on the show but we'll, we'll see so 105 uh, we've got Cam Akers again, but this was in the EFC uh, after C.D. Lamb. Then we got Jerry Judy in the Red Zone League and Cam Akers again in the Brill. So, Cam, we've talked about. What about Judy at, at 105? I, I think this is a good landing spot for Judy at 105. I mean, Judy's a stud. Judy, I'm not saying he's better than Sutton right now, but Judy's he went to a situation far better, and I know it's the same team and same kind of profile of a guy, great route runner, blah, blah, blah. But he went to a better situation than Calvin Ridley did 
his rookie year, and Ridley had like you know 907 yards. I want to say 90 catches, like or not, maybe it's 97 targets, whatever it was. But I can see Judy having you know back end, you know excuse me mid tier wide receiver two production in this offense. A lot of it's going to depend on that quarterback play, though. Yeah, it is. I, the thing with Judy, though, you were kind of alluding to it. Like, C.D. Lamb, I can't see C.D. Lamb out-catching Amari and Gallup, but I can see Jerry Judy out-catching Cortland Sutton. So I could see Sutton as the touchdown and, you know, yards per reception guy, and Judy as being the guy that paces him in receptions. I mean, he's that good. So yeah. I, I don't mind Jerry Judy in Denver at all, and I don't mind the pick at 105. So I he, he, also I mean, he no truly shares. brings a different element, a, a different element right now than what uh, Denver had going into this draft. You know, Judy's a route runner, and he's got speed. I mean, he had Deshaun Hamilton with speed, but that's kind of it. You know, Tim Patrick, I mean, was a blip on the radar. Love uh, Tim Patrick. I know you do, but Cortland Sutton, go up and get it, guy. You know, he's a big dude. He gets up, you know, fights that ball away from other guys. And you're going to have Jerry Judy, you know, in the, to me, a better version of A.J. Brown. You know, that guy who can, who can slice through defenses and, you know, catch. It wouldn't shock me if Jerry Judy had 75 receptions this year. No, it wouldn't shock me either. So, I mean, that's why I like him at 105. I I don't like Lamb going this soon yet at all. But Judy, yeah. I damn near, like, bet over 100 targets for Judy. Actually, I will bet over 100 targets for Judy. I'm not going to try to dispute it. I mean, I'll I'll roll with it. So, 106, uh, we got Dobbins. We got Justin Jefferson, our first Justin Jefferson sighting in the Brill, and Dobbins again in the EFC. So two leagues that J.K. went six. That's atrocious to me, even though I got him in one, which makes me happy. But the one guy to talk about here, Justin Jefferson, is that too high? So in that league, yes. He went above CeeDee Lamb, above Jerry Judy, above Ruggs. I mean, wow. Maybe it may be a Vikings fan. I almost has to be a Vikings um, fan. I don't think so. Um, the, now, he he goes into a premier spot, you know, a spot that just lost uh, Diggs. And, and Thielen's now they're, not young. Thielen's not young, but I still – Thielen's incredibly undervalued right now. This dude's going to catch 120 balls next year. And – you know, you can't get a fair price for Thielen. Well, he'll but, be on his way to 120 balls until the last five games of the season, and then he'll catch seven over the last five. Yeah, he'll, he'll already have you in the playoffs, so don't worry about it. Then, but, then he'll I, kill me in the playoffs. Whatever, whatever. But Jefferson, situationally, is what possibly outside of rugs in the best actual overall situation for his uh for his his talent yeah no I, I i like it a lot i didn't like justin jefferson that much going in and i think that shows in my rookie drafts because i did not land justin jefferson in a single one now i think i might in my last draft which is a sleeper bot league i'm i'm at the 10 spot i could use a wide receiver I, i'm thinking it might be justin jefferson but we'll see i, I don't hate justin jefferson that high because his landing spot the team 
he could he could be the best wide receiver this year. It's I I would not put that past him because of the landing spot and his talent. Even though I didn't love him going in, but 106 probably a little early. So in an, an entirely different player than a Terry McLaurin, but could have that kind of rise as you know early showing up in a big way for you know the biggest part of the season yeah yeah very possible 107 let's move on to it just because it's taken us a while to get through the first few but that's okay we could go a while tonight i don't know if you're if you've got Uh, wife's in bed quarantine plans in bed waiting or just in bed asleep because i can be there in 20 anyways well Anyway. We were already at your house. I'm surprised you didn't try. Yeah, well. Uh, 107, <laughs> Jerry Judy. We've talked about him. That's an okay spot for him at seven. Then we've got the Brill with CeeDee Lamb. That's, I guess that's okay. I don't love it. But then we, the one guy we haven't talked about, 107 in red zone, Jalen Rager. I See, this is what's great about this draft. The board is everywhere. Jalen Rager, pick seven. Lambert. Lambert. Super super reach, bud. Our own Lambert. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. Like, it's all about what you believe. And to me... No, it's about what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you can believe in a guy all you want. I liked, I really liked Armand Benz once upon a time, but Jesus Christ, he never did anything. Armand Benz, my God. Armand Benz and Ramsey's Barden and Lima Swede, some of the best wide receivers to ever grace fantasy football rosters. I wasn't taking him in the first, just to be clear. But I I actually don't hate the pick because I think Rager landed in a prime position. Alshon Jeffrey's not going to be the guy. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside doesn't look like he's going to be the guy, though things could change. But Jalen Rager is a magical fit for Carson Wentz, in my opinion. So I don't love him that early, but I don't hate it either. So, so we're just going to leave out the fact that C.D. Lamb's still on the board. Well, okay, I, I can, I, I, I'll I, buy going above C.D. Lamb. I'll buy going above C.D. Lamb just based on situation. Good. Good. But I'm not going to buy going above Justin Jefferson based on situation. He is not a more I talented can. receiver than Justin Jefferson. I think, I think he is. Yeah, wait, I, I you think say he is. more talented? I think Jalen Rager is more talented than Justin Jefferson. Wow. I think Jalen Rager. I think Jalen Rager is another guy that could potentially be the best wide receiver in this draft. I mean, there's a bunch of them that have the potential. I do think Rager has a similar skill set to Ruggs, but I just think Ruggs is is a step faster and a little more polished. And, and but that's a big deal whenever you're taught whenever your game speed. Yeah, but I mean, Jalen Rager can do more. I mean, I. I honestly think he can do more. I'll tell you what, though. The one thing, for being the first wide receiver drafted, no rug sightings yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot of people had, be okay, I think, had, a lot of people had some pretty similar mindsets as, uh, as I did. Yeah. But I think we're getting there. I think he's going to pop up pretty soon. So, let's move on. I love I love the Jalen Rager landing spot. Again, seven's a little early, but I can see if you are convicted that the spot and the talent makes sense. But 108 in red zone, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy in the Brill, and T. Higgins in the EFC. And who do you think picked T. Higgins in the EFC? 
Neo, isn't it? Neo effing Crabtree. You know why? Because he's a Clemson he's a Clemson guy. Fan. My God. I Not like a Bengals him. fan. I like T. Higgins, fan. but come on. Yeah, but we talked about this before. How many how many years of draft class would T. Higgins have been the number one, two, or three guy? A lot. A lot of you. Like, probably in the past five years, he would have probably been a top three guy. Yeah. Four out of the last five years. This being the that year that he's not. Well, this is a this is a, maybe not to the same extent, but it's a little bit of a Dallas situation. Alden Tate has looked solid. Tyler Boyd is a good receiver. AJ Green, if he hasn't declined, is a great receiver. John Ross is a, a first round draft pick that has shown flashes. And John Ross, before he got hurt last year, had a couple like stupid games, like 170 and 150 yards. Yeah, I, I this. I don't love the landing spot. I'll tell you I, who I love it for, though. Joseph Burrow. Oh, yeah, that new guy. That new that new Bengals Dude, guy. Burrow, they've loaded him up with weapons. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's he's got the weapons to succeed. As long as the this line is, plays okay. This is going to be a frustrating thing for Bengals fans. and I mean, they're going to love it and hate it at the same time. Because I... I I do think actually I think everybody thinks that Burrow is that much better than an Andy Dalton, um, an elite level guy, and you're going to see just how good real soon how good that that Bengals team actually could have been on offense. Oh, it 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 could go. I won't say worst to first because the Ravens are a really good team, but playoffs, playoffs mm-hmm. possible. They're possible. I mean. Absolutely. And you're talking about a, a team that really on offense has been damn near the same for like three years. Yeah. And, and now Not, it's only, only thing really going to change. Now, <laughs> now you're getting Joe Burrow instead of Andy Dalton, who was released by the way, and the Patriots aren't even sniffing around him. Uh, a lot of, a lot of rumors about the Jaguars. Don't hear. Don't you love when people on Facebook of all places post, uh, you know, Andy Dalton to the Jaguars, you heard it here first. Like, dude, the rumor was immediate upon his release. Immediate. So if you're don't a, come at me if, with that. If you're a social media guy, which it is what it is, and I, uh, if, if I'm not in your uh, platform, sorry, but I said if you're a social media guy, you know, Facebook's really not the place that you're going to get your information for fantasy football. I mean, typically that's that's Twitter. I mean, I'm on both, and you're you're going to have some smart guys that are on Facebook, but most of those guys who really know their stuff on Facebook, they're also on Twitter and they're active on there. Like, I feel like fantasy football Twitter is, you know, the top place to get fantasy football information. Oh, far superior to Facebook by you know a mile. So. Anyways, we digress. So T. Higgins, I I think that was way too soon. Uh, let let's move on to one oh nine. I made a splash. Let me ask you the... real quick about T. Higgins. Okay. Where did, is is he the wide receiver two, three, or four in this offense? I I think to begin, I I honest I honestly think T. Higgins is going to have a tough time getting snaps. He was I, a second round draft pick, wasn't he? He was, but I mean, I think Alden Tate is a I mean, look, I, I don't love to play the third-year breakout game, but Alden Tate is going to be a third-year receiver. John Ross Parker, Alden is going Tate to be is still running his forty from the combine two Alden years ago. Alden Tate had a pretty solid <laughs> season for an I know he did. I know free agent, and he's and he he's was, a go up and get it guy. And he, yeah, I mean, this is 
yeah, he can't separate that well, but he's he's got some Devontae Parker to his game. He he can go up and get it. Like this is a guy that our own Den Carter said was the best wide receiver in the draft to him four years ago. And there's and still don't there's miss a, often. It, no. And there's a chance that the third year breakout happens. But John Ross, also a third year guy. I think Tyler Boyd's a fourth year guy. I mean, it's there's a lot of competition there, so I don't even want to speculate where T. Higgins lands in the pecking order. I, honest to God, think it's fourth at best until midseason or an injury strikes. So I actually hate the pick. That was – Neil was – that was really a homer pick. But on to 109, this is where it starts getting crazy. And none of these are super flex leagues. But in red zone, I didn't have a quarterback. This was my pick. If you don't have one, you take one. I took Joe Burrow at 109, and then in EFC, it was Jalen Rager. And in the Brill, it was Tua Tagovailoa, which I think was awful, awful, awful pick. I don't know if people were trying to block me from getting Tua, but I wasn't taking him. And I I even have uh, Fitzpatrick and Rosen in another league. I still didn't take Tua. Not that I'm not excited, but I'm not taking Tua in fantasy. Man, see, I look at it a different way. I, th- I think that the it, maybe you disagree. I think the Dolphins hit this draft out of the park to build. Oh, I, not I do to be too. successful tomorrow, but to build a team. They, I think they did awesome. I think they did too. I'm really happy about the whole thing, but that doesn't mean in fantasy I'm going to play Homer and draft Tua before Joe Burrow. Tua, oh, I agree. Tua went before Joe Burrow. Yeah, like, that that's a little bit ridiculous. But Joe Burrow I has mean, weapons. Tua does not. Tua has serious, no weapons. Serious question: Did they even draft a wide receiver? Unless you want to consider their seventh round pick, I can't even remember his name, but he's out of Navy. He's a quarterback, wide receiver, running back hybrid. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I assume oh. he's going to be a weapon, but I don't know. So. No, they didn't do anything to help themselves at the wide receiver position. I don't know what their plan is. I hope they make a trade at some point to to get a guy. But I mean, on offense, realistically, what did they do? Just Tua and offensive line? Matt Barreto with the fifth round pick. They traded the fifth for Barreto. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is uh, that's pretty much it. I don't hate it, but it's not flashy. No, but if Tua is going to sit the whole year. You get him some weapons next year. So yeah. I, I believe in the plan. And the plan, I think, was to solidify O-line and D-line and, and get some other guys that fell right on the board. And then next year, hopefully, we can we can load up on the talent for Tua if he's healthy. God forbid. Is, he's is this a Flores-engineered draft? Uh, well, I think Flores and Will – and uh, not Will Greer. Oh, God. I think that Flores and GM Greer, they're, I just think they're on the same page. I, I'm sure they agreed on every single pick. I think those guys work really well together. Which They seemed well. excited, like, every oh, yeah. damn pick. It was like, Even I can't believe this snapper. guy fell. <laughs> Even when they took a long snapper, they were high five, and I'm like, what the hell are you high? Hey, oh, Jesus. that write-up was Pulitzer Prize Good winner. Lord. I was so but, mad. Unless, unless they see, like – Offensive line potential in the guy. I was so mad. He's, he's two twenty five, but I, don't I was think so. They do. I was so mad. I didn't understand that one at all. But anyway, so Burrow, Tua. Then we got another Rager pick at nine. I'm okay with Rager at nine. Uh, I hate Tua at nine. 
I don't love Burrow at nine, but I had to do what I had to do. So, yeah, I mean, if you need a guy, you got to do what you got to do. Well, in this, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping this is my dynasty quarterback for the next ten years. So, assuming the league can go that long, but on to one ten, uh, red Before zone, fun. Justin Jefferson, okay, okay, spot at ten. Then we had Patrick Queen, our first IDP sighting in the EFC. Also, Neil. <laughs> Neil goes Patrick Queen in, in the Brill. We had Henry Ruggs, our first Henry Ruggs sighting, 10 spot in the Brill. So three different players. Uh, Jefferson, we've talked about. I think the 10 spot's okay. I don't hate Patrick Queen at 10. I think he's going to be an absolute tackle monster. And I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like Ruggs at 10. I can't help it. I don't. I think I talked about it at the top of the show. Like, there's only one Tyreek Hill, and I think that's what they're looking at and thinking there will be another route runner, there will be another big-bodied guy next year if we're if we're in a still in need for a receiver. But there's not going to be another Henry Ruggs. I still still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm just coming to terms with what's happened. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's what. A, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say again. Somebody may just have rugs ranked that high. It's not unheard of. So I can't say a lot. I just don't love it. But uh, the interesting one for me, though, is Patrick Queen at 10. Yeah, it's a little early. But if it, I'm, is it, though? Uh, n- not in IDP. It's early for me. But I don't hate the pick because, I mean, this, this, is, this is potentially a top 10 linebacker out of the gate. So there we go. That's what I was getting at. So we've got a guy in, in Queen who can, you know, he can pl- as Baltimore kind of mixes that defense up. You know, Queen's got speeds. Queen's, you know, big enough, tough enough. He can be disruptive at any spot on that defensive, uh, you know, in that linebacking core. Right. Like I, I think that that's an an excellent. If that's if that is your first IDP pick, I mean, I don't hate it, especially if you have a need at linebacker. No, it's you know, a great. Yeah, First ID Jefferson pick. in that particular league, Jefferson, Ruggs, and Burrow still on the board. But, you know, we start getting to some players that kind of have question marks around their opportunities. I think he took the the path of least resistance when we're talking about scoring points this year. And if I'm not mistaken, Neil's in a hell of a conference. And I mean his division's tough going to be a tough one to win. He he's got to get he, he's got to you know, get points now, not get points in two years. Well, and and this is high scoring IDP. So, I mean, Patrick Queen is assuming he is what we think he will be. It'll be worth the pick. And I will add, Neil did not have another pick until the 10th pick of the second round. So if he wasn't getting him here, he wasn't getting him. So if he filled a need and got the best linebacker in the draft, pick 10 is fine with me. So one thing I can say, kind of to put a, a, you know, a bow on, on Queen here, he is a guy that is going into a linebacker needy defense. I know that they're a good team, but they don't have that, that you know, alpha dog on defense. And Queen can be that guy. Something like C.J. Mosley was before. Uh, probably a little quicker, a little smaller, but a C.J. Mosley-esque guy to lead that defense. That's what I think every uh, Baltimore seen in Queen. The the only thing that worries me a little bit is I I think Malik Harrison has the potential to possibly be better. Not saying he will be, but both of those guys are probably going to be starting on the inside 
it, it is it is a 10% chance that Malik Harrison ends up being a better pro. That's a small chance, but it's a chance. I, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I mean, it's, if I'm getting queen, I'm going to try to come back up in uh, probably late third and grab Malik Harrison too. Man, the queen always played so good against top flight competition. And Agreed. Now at every point he has top flight competition. That's, you know, number wise, wasn't to my recollection wasn't huge. I don't have his numbers in front of me. I don't think he was like a hundred and twenty tackle guy, but productive at all times in all phases of the game. He's not coming off the field, you know, in a nickel package or anything like that. Right, right, very true. But again, first IDP pick. We pride ourselves on IDP, so I definitely don't hate it. Uh, on to pick eleven. I, it was me in red zone. This was the deal I talked about earlier. I grabbed Rojo, so I came back and I grabbed <coughs> Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, let me see. I'm going to look through just to make sure there was no running backs worth taking ahead of T of Keyshawn Vaughn. And I don't believe there was. I think he was the last one left. I don't love Keyshawn Vaughn, but I had to have him. I'll live with it. Pick 11. Typically, uh, you know, it's boom or bust anyways, picking that late. So is what it is. Uh, in the EFC, it was Justin Jefferson. And in the Brill, it was Jalen Rager. So, I, I think Rager and Jefferson, perfect at pick 111. I don't think anyone reached there. I think that was pretty pretty solid. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I think I reached a little, but considering that I drafted for need, I had to do it. Yeah, you drafted to hedge. I mean, you, you secured that position for that team. Right. Like, I, I have a starting running back no matter what. I don't know which one it is, but this is a team I took over as a complete – rebuild i tore it down i tore the the hell out of it i had like five first round picks and four or five or six at one time second round picks and i just i had to build so it's like you're in that spot where you had chris carson but now you know they take rashad penny you have to do this yeah yeah absolutely so i did uh pick 112 in red zone was brandon Ayuk. that was me as well since i had all these picks uh 112 in EFC was Henry Ruggs and then in the Brill it was Keyshawn Vaughn so makes me feel a little better even though it was Neil in the Brill that took Keyshawn <laughs> Vaughn but uh Vaughn apparently I didn't overdraft too bad uh what do you think about Brandon Ayuk landing spot I think Ruggs was fine at 112 but what about Ayuk I that was me that took Ayuk but I'm interested in your opinion Something's got to give with that uh, that San Francisco offense. Like teams are going to go in with a focus to stop the run. You know, is, is he going to be the the primary target? No, but is he going to be the red zone target? He's going to be the second red zone target because obviously they still have Kittle. But man, I the he has a chance to be as good as Manny Sanders was last year. Yeah, and Manny, Sanders, Manny Sanders' second half was solid. Yeah, and he's gone. So Debo Samuel is a really nice player that could run the ball and be a possession receiver. But Brandon Ayuk is going to be that slot machine for this team that can take it to the house at any given moment. So I love Brandon Ayuk. The one thing I don't like about him is he's on a run-first team. Now, I do want to point out to Bauer and the guys over at Dynasty Rewind who swore up and down and I argued with over the summer that the Niners were going to draft a running back high. I said – they won't even draft a running back, and they thought I was crazy. But Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, they trade Bereda, still didn't draft a running back. So maybe Ayuk 
comes maybe maybe they lean a little more past this year in San Francisco. I don't know. But as far as a talent standpoint and being a, a PPR guy, which is what we play, I kind of love Brandon Ayuk. So I was happy to get him at 12. I think he's a value at 12. We'll just say that. Yeah. Not a now, not a massive uh, one. I yeah, mean, I don't think he I don't think he's wide receiver too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm staring completely away from him in like a 10 or 12 team, but I think by midseason he could come into that wide receiver threefold. Yeah, that and that's actually what I'm hoping for. And I went with some upside guys after him, but I had to get I feel like he's a solid floor. Like I feel like I'll be able to play him at the wide receiver three or four spot throughout the season without a lot of regret. Okay. I'll buy that. One thirteen. Now we're getting into some some really interesting picks. So one thirteen in red zone was LaVisca Chenault. It was mm. Kenneth Murray in the EFC. So we got our second IDP guy drafted in the EFC. Where yet were IDP guys in that league? So we all probably loved it. And one thirteen in the Brill was Michael Pittman. Uh, don't love the Lavisca Chenault pick. I I think that was way too early. Really? I do. Yeah. I I mean Rugs went later than Chenault in this one. Pittman went later than Chenault. Patrick Queen went later than Chenault. I, I just I didn't I didn't love it. Like I don't have a major problem with Lavisca Chenault. Judging by our uh, pre-draft episode, I think he's very talented. But I did not love the landing spot. I don't love Jacksonville as a landing spot at all. I just don't think Gardner Minshew on a Leonard Fournette driven team, maybe for only one more year, if that. But I just don't think Lavisca Chenault's going to be a high upside guy for a couple years. Mm. Man, I don't know. I, so I. I think this team starts to gear towards, once again, I, I, I this is repetitive, I know, and I'm sorry if I do this, but mid-season, I think the cream rises, and we're looking at DJ Chark and uh, LaVisca Chenault as the primary options on that offense. You know, I think Westbrook will be, you know, have his opportunities, but I don't think he's going to be great at any point. Um, I, I think the Fournette, we talked about it, he's kind of a quitter. You know, um, they start stacking, you know, stacking eight men in the box. They're going to have to air it out. Minshew has like a, a half dozen records for like single game, you know, passing yards, touchdowns in the NCAA. The kid's not afraid to throw. And if there's anyone in the NFL that trusts his arm, by God, it's Gardner freaking Minshew. God, he might, he, maybe he shouldn't, but he trusts his arm and he will try to get it into these guys. And I, I think Chenault will be the benefit, um, Almost, uh, I'm going to sound really kind of like an asshole right here, but he's going to have Sammy Watkins-esque weeks to where you're like, dude, I just want DraftKings because of LaVisca Chenault. And the next week, you're going to get one catch for four yards. I can see that. That makes sense. What about Kenneth Murray? What about the Kenneth Murray at 113? Murray's going to be a stud. Yeah, Murray's going to be a stud. I agree with that. And, and he again, has no competition. Oh, I mean, every, no. every other linebacker in the, uh, for the Chargers suck. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a good IDP pick. I was hoping to land him in some leagues, and guess what? I did not. So, what about Pittman at one thirteen in the Brill? I love this pick personally. Hey, same reasoning. It, well, excuse me, kind of the same reasoning as Iuk, right? Um, you, you got another guy who can do a lot on the other side of the field with T.Y. Hilton. My biggest concern with Pittman is 
the quarterback play. I mean, you got Rivers, who's he's aged. I mean, he's getting up there for sure. But he now, what's he used to? Kind of on the positive, he's used to a big dude, a go up and get a guy, and now he's got one. Well, here, here's the thing I like about Pittman. I, I think Rivers still has a good year in him. We forget okay. that the Chargers line was awful. They, they didn't have a good offensive line. Uh, Philip Rivers didn't have a lot of time. He's going to the best offensive line. So if there's a place to visit the Fountain of Youth, Indy's a good place for it. They got mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor to take some pressure off of him. Uh, they, they've got T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, guys that can stretch the field. Now they've got a possession guy in Michael Pittman that could lead the team in catches and touchdowns from day one. Not to mention, if Rivers does falter, you have a capable Jacoby Brissett and a big-arm Jacob Eason. So, I mean, there's talent behind Phillip Rivers. I just – I like the landing spot. I, I love Michael Pittman. I'm going to call it right now. Michael Pittman is the number one fantasy rookie in 2020. What? Yep. Get out of here with that. Number one fantasy rookie at the wide receiver position. Michael Pittman. I'm still saying get out of here with that. I think he can crack the top five. Points, like if we go with like every single game, you might he might get in the top three, but you're going to have players like a Chenault who his total over the season is going to beat him. But, you know. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Love me some Michael Pittman. All right, moving on just for the I don't hate of- Pittman. I, I want to clarify. I don't hate Pittman. I just, I mean, Campbell, they spend a ton on him. He's a deep guy. You know, eh, hasn't stayed healthy or done much yet. It's been one season. Get off of him. Okay, Buckeye. So let's move on. You loved him. He was your number one receiver last year. A.J. Brown was my number one receiver last year. Uh, He was, after the draft, I think you said, I think you had uh, Paris Campbell as your like one or two. Like he might have loved been. Where he I was disappointed with the A.J. Brown landing spot. I was wrong there. but We all were. Anyways, 114, T. Higgins. That's okay for him, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we got Joe Burrow in the EFC. And in the Brill, it was Denzel Mims. Let's talk about him. <sighs> Go ahead. Well, T, we already talked about. I don't hate no, no, him. No. At, I don't hate him at 114. I don't. I want to hear either. what your thoughts on Denzel is. Denzel Mims is the biggest boom-bust prospect at the, at the position, but he's going to a team devoid of wide receivers. Their best wide receivers never played a snap for him. Well, okay, let me take that back. Jamison Crowder is probably their best wide receiver. But then they got Brashard Perryman and Denzel Mims. So if Mims is going to make his mark somewhere, the Jets is a good place. So it's an upside pick for sure, but it's a risky one. You hit the nail on the head. Absolute boom bust. He could be an animal. I mean, you've got a, another year of uh, Lev Bell coming in there. You, uh, he's still good enough to where they just can't d- disregard him. But, man, like there's Robbie Anderson here and there was good. You know, over the years they've had – that's the way they've been. A guy here and there has yeah, been they, good. I don't think they've had anyone with the talent of Denzel Mims. I, Robbie Anderson's going to be here and there for the Panthers, too. So, I mean, Mims has the potential. So, it's a it's an upside pick. I, I don't I'll tell hate you, it. I like Mims better than I do Anderson from a talent perspective. I agree there. But, man, I, I it's, a, it's a scary pick. 
It, it, it I don't landing spot like where he went in the draft. That's fine, but man, I'm not comfortable rolling Mims out as my wide receiver three week one. No, no, no neither am I. I've got to see something first. But and, and I'll, I'll go against Grain here too and tell you I'm not entirely sold on Sam Darnold being a great quarterback. I'm not either, but he needs a line, and they they did make some improvements there. They drafted Mackay Becton and made some other signings that might improve their line. But I'm not going to get overly excited about Mims, but I, I don't hate it either. Agree. All right, so Joe Burrow was the other 114. I think that was a fine landing spot for him. On to 115, Henry Ruggs in red zone. Joe Burrow in the Brill. I'm okay with that. And then in EFC, it was Keyshawn Vaughn. So we've talked about all of them. I think the landing spot's fair for all of them, too. I don't I don't hate any one of those landing spots. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to get in those spots to where it's like everyone has a question mark and everyone has an exclamation point. Right. And this is the point where we can actually speed up a little because we've talked about some of these guys. So 116, the end of the first round in our 16-team leagues. Uh, red zone was Chase Claypool, our first mention of him. Then we got Michael Pittman in EFC, taken by Bauer. And then in the Brill, we've got T. Higgins. So Higgins still going a little early for my liking. Uh, Pittman, I've already expressed my love for him. What do we think about Chase Claypool at the 116 spot in red zone? If he's a tight end, I love it. If he's a wide receiver, and Michael Pittman is still available, and there's some other guys. I w- man, there's just other guys I would like. There's a couple uh, defensive players who are still available in that particular league. Now it was a homer pick too. It was Den Carter, Pittsburgh Steelers fan that, that took the chance on Claypool. So you got you got that to factor into it. But again, high upside on a team that rarely misses on wide receiver. I will buy Chase Claypool this season because of the landing spot and the the, the potential. It's another boom bust. It's another Denzel Mims-like pick, but in a better situation. Man, my biggest worry, though, is there was times that James Washington looked phenomenal. There's times Deontay Johnson looked phenomenal. Deontay Johnson's probably going to be the PPR guy to own. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's still there, and with – Big Ben, Juju's going to be a monster again. Like, people are going to sleep on him this year. I agree. My, but my advice right now, go out and get Juju if you can. Well, I'm looking at the long term, too. I mean, it's the writing's been on the wall all offseason that Juju, they're going to let him walk. And I think Chase Claypool being drafted highly by them is a, a testament to that. So, I like Claypool for the future. Big dude. Fast dude. He's a big dude. All right. Second round, diving in. I picked in red zone Michael Pittman because I love him. I think it's a good spot. Uh, I'm going to make fun of one of these landing spots for a player. In the Brill at 201, we had Patrick Queen. Good spot for Patrick Queen. Then we have Bauer. Bauer who took uh, Josh Allen in round two last year in the Brill, I believe, or one of the leagues we're in together. 201, Bauer with the reach so far. DJ Dallas. Seattle running back at 201, massive, massive reach in my opinion. Listen, I, I ain't trying to knock on Bauer, but I am. That's a straight desperation play. I don't understand like, it. What 
I mean, so to to put it in perspective, once again, I, I'm not trying to crack on you here, Bauer, but Mims is there, Ayuk's there, Tua's there, Chase Young's there, running IDP league, Chase Claypool's there, Chenault's there. Give me freaking the Michael Pirine <laughs> over DJ Dallas. Agreed. I know they run an absolute ton in Seattle, but they still have Rashad Penny. Well, they have another Miami guy by the name of uh, – oh, man, crap. What I lost it. Completely lost it. Who was their uh, – man, he got some run at the end of last year. I, I might pull I, up a league. Like, did, am I? Did they cut Chris Carson, or did I miss this? No, they didn't. Cut so him they yet. have they they have two guys that are have had multiple hundred yard games, and Carson's been a thousand yard back a couple times. Like what? It I, not I haven't looked at his team. Maybe he has both those guys. He's hedging, but win now, Bauer. Win now. Don't win in five years. Travis Homer, another Miami running back that has a little bit of potential. To me, the same as DJ Dallas. So, again, I think it's another knock. I mean, too many running backs in Seattle. I, I hate the pick. Uh, moving on. 202 in red zone was Patrick Queen. 202 in EFC was Denzel Mims. That was me. I knew I took him in one. And Zach Moss in the Brill. Mm. Let's Qu- see. Queen is fine. Mims, I think, is fine at 202. Zach Moss, a little high. So the question with Zach Moss is Devin Singletary. Like, I, hey, Frank Gore got a lot of run, right? Yeah. And do they think, do we think we're going to, like, give the Frank Gore carries to Zach Moss? I mean, possibly, and I know a lot of people were high on Moss, and a lot of people had Moss as, you know, like a top three back in this year's draft class. I just didn't. I, we talked about it on the, the rookie running back show uh, pre-draft. I said his highlight reels are boring. I, I don't see a lot to get excited about. I mean, versus Singletary, who can, you know, make two people miss in a phone booth at times. Right. You know, Moss is going to – he's going to have some carries, but I don't think he's going to be able to end up on the, the heavy side of of this running back committee. I agree. Uh, moving on, pick 203. In red zone and in Brill, it was Isaiah Simmons, and in EFC it was Brandon Ayuk. Love the Ayuk pick at 203. Isaiah Simmons, I understand the talent – but not having a true position and possibly being more of a cover linebacker, I actually hated the pick that early. In he those plays two defense. Leagues. He plays defense. So that's what he a, says. He's, he's a weapon. He's he's a weapon. I don't like that for fantasy purposes. So two hundred three Isaiah Simmons. I was looking at him more as a late second guy, if that. I know he's, he's that. He he's that. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say I know he's a, a major talent but so is Jeff Okuda, and I'm not taking him in the second like somebody did in red zone. So he he's the Jabril Peppers, um, the Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, I can play all over the field kind of guy, but he's the one who actually went to linebacker. You know, the rest of them, the other two were safeties. I don't hate it, and I think he can be incredibly productive, but I, if you get a lot of 
points for like pass defenses and interceptions. I think Simmons is going to be like the tight end neutralizer. That I believe this as a football move is designed to take George Kittle and Will Disley type guys out of the game. And, you know, Tyler Higby, this that's what this is for. This is a a move to win the division, not to put IDP points up. I I agree and I don't I don't even have a lot more to say about Isaiah Simmons. Like it's an IDP league, yeah, but I just it's worrisome to spend that high of a pick on him to me. But let's think about his division, though. How many pass? I mean, realistically, Higby, Everett, at points in times last year had eight catches, ten catches a game apiece. Not at the same time, of course. You know, Disley won healthy. They're targeting the heck out of him. I mean, Simmons could get some interceptions this year, and. Like I'd say his tackle numbers just by covering the tight end are going to be, you know, you're probably getting five a game right there. I don't hate it. I don't I, like he it. could be a su- surprising. Now, is he going to get a lot of sacks? Probably not. You know, but I, it, in past defense, I actually, I, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say I like Isaiah Simmons there. I'm, I don't agree to disagree. I guess uh, two o four. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Two o four. Cole Komet in the Red Zone League, uh, Isaiah Simmons, 204 in EFC, and then Chase Young in the Brill. Uh, I don't think it's too early for Chase Young. Sometimes to win a championship, you got to have really good defensive ends as well. So I don't hate the Young pick. I don't love Isaiah Simmons even at 204. It's only a pick later than the other leagues. Cole Komet, a bit of a reach at 204 in my opinion. So I don't like – I don't really like – any tight end in this class where they went their talent the combination of the two like i, I if, like if, I, if i'm gonna go <laughs> just not that early i mean jimmy graham's all that stands in his way so i, I mean i like it long term i just don't i just think it's a little early but when has chicago been successful with the tight end been a their while. Quarterbacks, their garbage. Their quarterbacks trash. Well, they like, they've got a guy. Well, that, Mike Mike Dick was their last successful tight end. They've got a guy, Nick Foles, that targeted Zach Ertz pretty heavily. So maybe Komet Cole is going to be that Zach Ertz guy for Nick Foles. Again, I don't love it. I think it's too early, but I don't hate Cole Komet. I I landed him in the league and I was happy about it, but it was in the third round. I'll tell you one. I I do like. I like Chase Young's spot. Yeah, I'm okay with. I'm okay with that. I mean, they've been fortifying that defensive front for a couple years now, and it's almost to the point to where you just brought in a generational-level talent that you probably can't double-team because you have other solid guys the rest of the way across that front seven. You know, I think – like, I'm – uh, you you know this from me. I've always been like the uh, – I had kind of an NFC team. It was the Giants for as long as I had Eli. And I, I've, I've switched my allegiances. I love what Washington's doing right now. Are they going to win, you know, 10 games every year? Probably not. But, man, I the core of that team, now you got Chase Young, you know, on offense. Guys, if he can stay healthy. I love Haskins, Terry McLaurin. Like, I, I love what this team is doing. Um, I think Chase Young is going to be in a spot to where he can get after the quarterback, particularly if in like those real high sack reward leagues to where, you know, I'm in one to where a sack gets six points. I think Chase Young went in the first round and deservingly. I I, I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it at all. 
I won't even call it early. It's IDP. Chase Young has the potential to be a top five defensive end as soon as now. So I'm with you on that. Let's, uh, for the sake of time, let's move on. Pick 205 was Van Jefferson uh, in the Red Zone League. It was Tua in the uh, EFC. And in the Brill, it was Ayuk. Ayuk, great landing spot, 205, perfect. Tua, I guess it's okay at 205. I was going to say, you got to be comfortable with Tua there. It's fine. Uh, Van Jefferson, not comfortable there. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a reach on Van Jefferson. I, I think he's, I think he has too much of a mountain to climb to get to number three on that team. Well, yeah, and, and we've got uh, Josh Reynolds as the incumbent. So can Van Reynolds Jefferson beat him out? Maybe. Would I count on it? Probably not. Are you going to spend uh, $46 on Van Jefferson in free agency? Luckily, he's not a free agent in any league I'm in, so no, I will not. Uh, 206, we've got A.J. Dillon in red zone, Chase Young in EFC, and Chase Claypool, which is a more fair landing spot in the Brill. I like the Claypool. I like Chase Young. Uh, A.J. Dillon at 206. I am growing. That's growing on me. If they let the other two guys walk after this season, A.J. Dillon with Jordan Love, if they're going to change the makeup of their offense, I don't hate taking A.J. Dillon at 206. It's a bit of a reach on the outside looking in. Could could pay dividends in a year or two. I haven't looked, but especially if you're an Aaron Jones owner. I mean, I, Dillon gets a lot of hate from people because – as I've christened him like Derrick Henry light or discount Derrick Henry, excuse me. Um, they're like, well, you know, Aaron Jones is a, he's a, you know, top 10 level back, top 10, top 12 guy. But if we're going to let him walk in historically, the Packers don't pay running backs. And I can't think of the last one they did like Amon green. I don't think they paid him well. And he's yeah. a stud Aaron Jones. If he has another big time season, it's either pay him or move on to AJ Dillon. I think the the possibility is real that they're going to move on to AJ Dillon, and it wouldn't shock me if they're like it's surprising times. AJ Dillon's on the field, and you're like, wait a second, AJ Dillon had three touchdowns this week because they're all from the one. Well, he's six foot one, two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah, he did. Yeah, let's move on. Two oh seven, Denzel Mims in red zone. Uh, good landing spot there. I think that's fair. Chase Claypool at two oh seven, perfect again. Boom bust 207 works for me. And then finally in the Brill, Justin Herbert at 207. Bit of a reach in my opinion. I, I like but, Herbert okay, but it's just too early. He's a late second guy in my opinion. Is it Josh Herbert or Justin Rosen? <laughs> He's the same dude. Awful. Get it, dude, this is... That's, that's I, not I, nice. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, I must be the wrong I, one. I have no desire to own Justin Herbert in any league. I think this guy has bust written all over him. That's just my two cents. I, I don't have any desire to own him either. If he was there late second in a league I needed a quarterback, I'll take the stab, but not mid-second too high. 208 in red zone, Herbert again. We got another Herbert sighting. 208 in the EFC was LaVisca Chenault. That's a fair landing spot. 208 in the Brill was my guy, Brian Edwards. I don't know if Dan Rozier picked Edwards because he saw that I was loving on him, but a little high for Brian Edwards in my opinion. Even though I love him, I I was surprised to see him go that high. 
the Raiders are in such a weird spot to where they have like five guys who could lead the team in receptions. The the unfortunate part is that could be 60 receptions for 700 yards. Could be. I don't know. I, I, I feel like Brian Edwards is going to lead the team in receptions as long as he's healthy. That's just a kind of a stab for me. Didn't he have an injury like at the end of the season? Or I believe so. At but... some point, I I don't know the story behind him. I do know that uh, there there's been a lot of talk that he's like a first round talent, and something caused him to drop. As a Raiders fan, I should know more about it, but unfortunately, I don't. He he's got the potential, but injury history is that is kind of what knocked him down. But it's also a pretty talented wide receiver class, so. Even if he was healthy, he might have still landed in the same spot, at least in dynasty rookie drafts. I don't know. But let's let's uh, keep trucking. 209 in the Brill was Devin Ossiasi, New England Patriots tight end. That's too early. Way too way early Way too me. early. Uh, LaMichael Pirine in red zone, to me, a little early, but I – I need running back, so that was me. I picked LaMichael P. Ryan at 209, and apparently there was a few people waiting right after me to snag him. I got cussed out quite a bit, so it must not have been too bad. But I'll tell you what was bad. 209 in red zone, Jeff Okuda. Dude, come on. Come on. What does the carp say? Jeff Okuda, Kuda, Kuda, Kuda. Listen, I know you're probably an Ohio State homer, and (laughs) maybe you're a Detroit Lions fan too. Still. But that is trash. Oh, yeah. I, your 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 biggest hope is is the Tredavious White effect. But I think Okuda is so good, and they, everybody already knows it that they're like, not yeah, we're just way? we're just going to go ahead and not throw it that direction. Like right. we we saw the tape in college. Just uh, no, no. What, what I don't you, care who's against him. What you do by taking Jeff Okuda at two oh nine is you basically say I'm going to take this second rounder ninth pick in the second round i'm gonna pretend it's 409 and draft jeff okuda that's what that is that, that's that's what that is i would i i'm gonna tell you right now if jeff okuda was on the board at 409 i wouldn't have taken him i wouldn't have taken him either i wouldn't take a quarter corner back in this draft so this is by far the worst pick in any draft i've seen so far jeff okuda at 209 uh, He's going to win five games because of Jeff Okuda. You know that, right? Yes. Like his first five games are going to be Jeff Okuda. He's going to tell how he's a genius. And then no one's going to throw Jeff Okuda's way for the next freaking 11 weeks. Well, we'll see how it works out. LaMichael Pirine, uh, I think it's a little bit of a reach, but there is no competition behind Lev Bell. And the Jets have tried to trade him. So LaMichael Pirine, if he shows well, could end up being a steal. Uh, Devin Ossie. I want to touch on LaMichael P. Ryan real quick. I loved him more than you and Hux both did in the pre-draft process. And from a skill set standpoint, I don't – Le'Veon Bell is is great, but they do a lot of things similar. And, like, that's a big plus for LaMichael P. Ryan. Like, if if you're used to doing what Le'Veon Bell does and Bell goes down, P. Ryan could have a good season. Oh, P. Ryan absolutely could have a good season. It's just – it's a – it's a risk. I mean, it, it is a little oh, bit of a risk. Oh, it's a huge risk. It's a pretty massive huge risk. risk. But Devin Asiasi, bigger risk. Okuda, bigger waste uh, than anything I've ever seen in my whole life. So I, I mean, give uh, there are so many guys so much later. Uh, like uh, Damn near every safety that got drafted, I'll take over Okuda. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, moving on to 210 in the Brill, it was Anthony McFarland. 
in EFC, it was Darrington Evans. And in the Red Zone League, it was Tua. So Tua, the best pick at 210, in my opinion. Then Anthony McFarlane. Then Darrington Evans. I don't... Deion Lewis didn't really get much run behind Derrick Henry. I don't think Darrington Evans is going to get a whole lot of run either. He was a small school prospect, too. Have you seen uh, Blaze and the Monster Machines? Uh, yeah, Darrington. Darrington! Darrington! Anyhow, I can't help but think of that. Uh, that if, dude if he, is just... If he's that good, then I take it back. But Absolutely. He's a waste to pick. One thing I will say. So, McFarland might be the most all-over-the-place draft pick I have seen. Yeah, but again... It's a Steeler. Steelers tend to do well with these picks. No, I I'm with you. No, no, what I'm saying all over the all over the place, like in fantasy drafts. So we're, we're seeing him go in the second. I saw him go in the fourth, and I'm I'm just sitting there thinking like I'm at like 407. I'm like, shoot, is McFarland going to fall to me? McFarland has real talent. He's more talented than James Conner was coming out. His his issue is injury. But he doesn't have a lot of miles on his legs, so to speak. Right. He has Chris Johnson-like potential. Yes. If if McFarlane gets the chance and gets a couple starts, he may never let that job go. And he may end up with like a Le'Veon Bell-type career with just huge numbers. So I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was usually too far back in drafts to even be in a spot to take McFarlane. But whenever I seen him coming to me in the fourth, I'm sitting there, you know, reaching out to people like, "Hey, what would you, you know, what would you do to let me move up two or three spots?" Nothing, no response, no response. Draft pick, draft pick, draft pick, and then he goes, "I'm like, I hate you," you know. Oh, I, I think McFarland's going to be a steal, a huge boomer bust, right? Yeah, but definitely. They're not, they're not going to pay James Conner whenever the time comes. Oh no, and Jalen Samuels isn't the guy. Oh, absolutely not. So it's 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 an upside pick for sure. Uh, let's move on. Two eleven in red zone was Chase Young. That is perfectly fine with me. Two eleven in EFC was Herbert. I'm okay with it. I guess two eleven in the Brill was Kenneth Murray. Great pick at two eleven. I will tell you, if I'm at two eleven, I need a quarterback, and Herbert's there. I'm ecstatic. Like just because I need a quarterback, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't but, know if he's going to be a fantasy one though. It's it's. I don't think he will. I, I don't either. And then that, uh, you know, you're going to feel compelled to have to go grab uh, Tyrod Taylor as well. So, yeah. 212 in the red zone was Zach Moss. 212 in the FC was Zach Moss. 212 in the Brill was me with LaVisca Chenault. I was trashing him, but I can't pass Suddenly him up. Suddenly it's at, a great pick. <laughs> can't pass him up at 212. So, what do we think about Zach Moss at 212? Is that that's that's where it starts to get fair for me. I think I was eyeballing Zach Moss uh in in the Brill actually. He went at 202. So I I went with LaVisca Chenault. I I went with the best talent at 212 there, but Zach Moss at 212 in the other leagues fair landing spot in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if it is fair. Okay, so as far as Zach Moss uh, you know, at that spot like I, I know I kind of dog on him a little bit, but there are some question marks around Singletary. You know, he's not a big guy, so there's questions about whether or not he can carry the full workload. I think he can carry the majority of the workload. Um, I He's not a 30-carry game guy. But, you know, if the majority is, you know, 
17, 18, maybe up to 20 carries, and then Moss working in for 10 to 12, you know, definitely a value at that point. Maybe Moss is better than I think he is and, and can seize a little bit more of that work. I personally just don't see it right now. No, nah, I'm with you. I just – I was a Devin Singletary fan heading in to last season, so I still am. You were uh, way up on him versus I, versus what I was. Right. I, I like Devin Singletary quite a bit, and I, I still think he's the guy there. So, 213 uh, red zone, Devin, Devin Asiasi. There we go again with that guy. Uh, 213 in EFC was A.J. Dillon. And 213 in the Brill was Darren Darrington from Blazing the Monster Machines, Evans. Can we just call Asiasi Fetch? Yeah. Because he's never going to be a thing. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. He's never going to be a thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to work out either. So, uh, the other you picks. Got, there's just other guys that Pickney's still there. D- correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Pickney go to Atlanta? Yeah, with, with okay. Hayden Hurst. Okay, which Hayden Hurst couldn't beat out Mark Andrews. Okay, so he goes to Atlanta. And he's arguably the best, according to Kuiper, he's the best receiver in this draft class, I believe, if not the second best, that worst-case scenario. And Austin Hooper's position's vacated, and you're taking fucking, excuse me, freaking Aussie Aussie over Pickney. Get out of here. Yep. You're, you're picking the home-style home, home style Aussie Aussie chicken sandwich at Wendy's. That's about what he's worth, in my opinion. So... Let's let's keep this going. We're almost through the second round. Two fourteen. Joshua Kelly in the Brill, uh, Chargers running back. That's got some upside potential. Uh, Two fourteen. NEFC, also Joshua Kelly, and two fourteen in red zone. I have to turn the page. Was it Josh? Ah, different Charger. Kenneth Murray great landing spot for Kenneth clean Murray. sweep for the Chargers though yeah absolutely clean clean sweep at 214 for the used to be San Diego Chargers Joshua Kelly what do you what do you think of Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler's been really good um I, I just I don't have any love for Joshua Kelly I'm sorry I just I don't think that uh, whenever you factor in adding Herbert into the mix, you know, you're no longer afraid of the pass. You, you can stack the box. Even if Kelly gets plenty of run, is he going to be that good with it? My opinion, probably not. If you needed a running back, it wasn't a terrible pick at the end of round two because really it's Eckler and Justin Jackson. So if Joshua Kelly is good at all, it's possible that he emerges. Uh, 215 red zone, Grant Delpit. Uh, DJ Dallas by Bauer again in the Brill. <laughs> Jesus, Bauer, get oh off DJ God. Dallas. And Xavier McKinney in EFC. So this is about where you expect safeties to go. Uh, Grant Delpit, not a super sound tackler, so I don't love the pick in red zone. I do He's love the Xavier. He is a baller, but I do love the Xavier McKinney pick at the end of round two. And I, of course, hate the DJ Dallas pick. At the end of round two. So, any, any I don't thoughts? think I would have drafted DJ Dallas. <laughs> I would have sorry. drafted him eventually. I'm not it, sure I would have. It's not in round <sighs> two. So, I mean, Delpit probably steps into a starting role immediately. Um, so, he's got that going for him. I, I like Delpit. I like McKinney. I think both of them are going to have fine careers. Um, yeah, I, 
we're we're picking into that into that IDP guy there, right? Is either one of them uh, Landon Collins? No, no, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think they are. I think they are a, uh, a, a top third. You know, they're starting level safety, um, probably really early on in their career. Uh, if if I have to take the pick, I'm going to take Xavier McKinney because. Damn it, Alabama just doesn't miss on safeties. That's all there is to it. True story. I know there's been some great ones out of uh, out of LSU as well, Jamal Adams, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, lean to the uh, the sure thing rather than the high upside thing on that one. But either one's a fine pick. Okay, uh, two sixteen into the second round uh, in the red zone league, we have Brian Edwards. I love that, that late. Uh, A.J. Dillon, I selected A.J. Dillon in the Brill at 216. I was happy about that. And 216 in EFC was Cole Komet. We've talked about all these guys. Do you see any uh, reach or or maybe value? I, I think there's value with A.J. Dillon there. I think there's. I think you start to get into the value with Brian Edwards there as well. I think you're you're at a value spot with it with all of them. Um, Komet, you know, I, I crack on him a little bit, but you know, I mean, we're if you're if you're in need for a tight end, you got to start taking stabs somewhere, don't you? Yep. You know, um, Edwards, as you said, he could lead the Raiders in receptions. We you know we we don't really know, and AJ Dillon, you know, we're going to have to see how that situation bears out. Um, that I don't think AJ Dillon has a huge year this year i do think he has some pretty like what the hell just happened why did aj Dillon get four goal line carries this game right you know that, that type you know aj Dillon's gonna be that guy that infuriates you because you didn't pick him up on DraftKings. yeah yep there we go uh now we're gonna zoom through the rest of the draft league by league just i'm gonna skim over some names and i'll let you do the same but i'll i'll go real quick uh third round in red zone uh, names that stick out to me from the get-go. Let's see. Clavon Chase on first off. Not for me. That doesn't stick out. Eno Benjamin's a yeah, guy. Yeah, but think about opportunity, right? They've, there's two open linebacker spots that, I mean, so Telvin Smith has that uh, sexual conduct with a minor. You know, uh, Miles Jack. I mean, there, there's opportunity there. Yeah, but it's a, it's a outside, it's a weak side kind of thing. It's I, I go for middle linebackers as often as I can. I mean, yeah, maybe my Chase God. on a few years a back. Guy, I don't know. A few years back, I think the Jaguars had like freaking four productive linebackers. I guess we're not in that spot anymore with that defense, though. So right. Uh, some picks that stand out to me, Eno Benjamin at 308. That's solid value, even though I didn't love him coming into the draft. Uh, I grabbed the Michael P. Ryan in that league at 309. I thought it was fair value. Jordan Love at 310. I think that was fair value. Uh, K.J. Hamler, 311. I don't love it, but he is he is a uh, kind of a rugs light, so to speak. Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio Gibson might be the steal of drafts when we look back at this in a few years. The the guy is he's a running back on a team with a bunch of injured running backs, but he can also catch like a wide receiver. So at three thirteen in red zone, I thought that was a great pick. Uh, then moving on to the late third, we got I like Gandy Golden at sixteen. Gandy Golden at three sixteen. That's a solid one. There's you know besides Scary Terry, there's not a lot receiver wise in Washington. Going, we'll see into, what Harmon is. going into the fourth round, uh, I took Jordan Brooks at 403. I think that's a potential good uh, middle linebacker spot. 
Malik Harrison. I also took him in red zone 407. I like that one. And that's where it ends in red zone for me. Any other picks that stand out to you? So I do have one, in, and it's it's Logan Wilson. And then I'm going to kind of put this with Logan Wilson, Marcus Bailey, Akeem Gath- uh, Davis Gathers, Gathers Davis. I can't remember which one, I think it's Gathers Davis. Um, it, the Cincinnati's in a real similar situation to what the Colts were a few years ago. They don't have a linebacker. All right. And along comes a guy who just all of a sudden is the dude. You know, you you end up with the best overall fantasy linebacker for the Colts. And, I, like, somebody has to emerge, right? And, and I mean, I, I, I feel like someone's got to emerge for Cincinnati to become a stud. So if, if I'm going to go with uh, Logan Wilson, like, I'm doing my best to try to pick up uh, Akeem Gathers, Dave, I think it's Gathers Davis, and uh, Marcus Bailey as well. Just that they, they addressed linebacker three times in this draft, and there's a reason for it. They know they need him. Someone's got to emerge. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to move on to... What and in we, case you didn't know, I'm talking about Darius Leonard, not uh, not Anthony Walker. <laughs> he was fine, by the way. Yeah, but. very much so. Uh, the Brill, uh, Devin DeVernay went kind of high at 302, in my opinion. Then you got Isaiah Hodgins at 301. There's some Hodgins fans out there. Uh, Cole Komet fell to 305 in that one. Eno at 307. Tonio Gibson at 308. Gandy Golden right after him at 309. Xavier McKinney all the way down to 310 in that league. And our first Adam Troutman spotting, uh, 313. Van Jefferson, where he was a high second in one league, all the way down to 314 in the Brill. And after that, a lot of Eason's in the late third, early fourth. Donovan Peoples-Jones, first appearance, 402. Nah, that's that's going to do it besides Thaddeus Moss at 410 in that league. A little surprising there for an undrafted guy. I feel like I got Thaddeus Moss for a dollar at one point. Um, so a, a couple other guys, and I know you'd mentioned him before, like Jalen Hurts went in that particular league. He went 4-4 four, four, if I'm not mistaken. Most leagues he was a fourth rounder. So, man, he's he's still interesting though. Like, oh, I yeah. know Wentz had an okay year. It's the waiting but, is the problem. Do you want to carry him on your roster as long as it takes for him to be yeah, relevant? I, I don't think it's as long as people think. Wentz goes down every year. You know what I mean? He's always hurt. It does this become hurts his team a little bit sooner than everybody expected. He's going to be you a know, massive he, pickup if, if Wentz gets hurt. He's going to be a massive he, waiver wire pickup. Absolutely. And you're going to be able to get a premium out of him before he ever plays a game, I think. Right. You know, he, he's got he's got talent all the way around him. I mean, Miles Sanders, a hell of a running back. Um, they drafted Rieger. Alshon's fine. You know, they still got Deshaun, uh, De, De, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson. They've got the two tight ends. I mean, man, Hurts – I. Hurts is interesting to me. I mean, in the fourth is a fair price. I would have probably even reached for him in the uh, in the third. And then another name in this particular league, AJ Epinesa. Ah. So, as far as there's one premier pass rusher in this year's draft class, and it's Chase Young. Right. But there's going to be another guy. Yeah, and it's there's probably always another guy, and it's probably from what I see, Epinesa. Right. So, last league I want to talk about, which is the last league, the FC, your guy, Anthony McFarlane, 403, pretty good landing spot for him there. Yeah, I think that's the one I was at like 4-7, and I'm yep. like, you mother. 
Eno Benjamin, 406. That's a steal. Even I mean, just based on the fact that he was considered in the top six of running backs at, at certain points in the offseason, to get him in the fourth round is beautiful. So uh, the only thing I'll add to all of these leagues is my my Mr. Irrelevant. If you can sneak in and get a uh, close to the end of the draft pick to grab James Prochet, I, I knew think, you was going to say that. I think James Proche has a legitimate chance to make some noise as a rookie. I don't – you look at the Ravens, they have Hollywood Brown, but if Hollywood Brown is still just a 50-60 catch guy, if he does that, who's going to be that PPR guy for them? They've got Willie Sneed that's just a disappointment most years. After that, it's like Miles Boykins and Devin DuVernay. I think James Proche, who I believe led – all of college in receptions last season he's he is a he's a ppr monster at least at the collegiate level with smu if there's a guy i'm going to take a chance on him one on my taxi squad just to see what happens my favorite dart throw is james prochet i grabbed him where i could i think he could pay some major dividends again i'm not calling it because it is a dart throw it's it's a it's an end of the draft you know throw a Hail Mary up, but I, I like James Prochet as that. Eh, I got this fourth. I want upside. Eno Benjamin's gone. Prochet's my guy. So, I I, I kind of feel the same way about Prochet as I do Devernay. Like, I feel like one of those guys actually will emerge as the route runner and not the deep ball guy. Right. Um, almost, I don't know if necessarily primary target is the right term because I, I, I still feel like Mark, that's going to be Mark Andrews' role. But I feel like from a wide receiver spot, not tight end, but the, the wide receiver with, you know, I think one of those guys is going to end up with more targets than Hollywood Brown. I don't know which, but for the price, you should be able to pick up both of them. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to trade a third for two fourths and, end, you know, back to back and end up with both these guys. Yeah. I, and that's not a bad way to spend your fourth round picks because. Like I said, unless Miles Boykins emerges, or I don't even know who else, it's going to be Devernay or Prochet. Should one of those guys has the potential to be, you know, the the best receiver on that team receptions wise? Granted, Mark Andrews is the guy. It's a run first team. It's not going to support multiple receivers. But if there's any chance that it would, you want Devernay and Prochet, and I'm I'm taking Prochet out of those two. It's coin flip for me, but I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm looking for both. Nice. All right. Well, there we go. We went through the drafts that have concluded, and we this may be a this may be a two part podcast. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, this I think this is a little longer than we anticipated. It's been a well, while since we've talked. It's been a while since we've talked. This this whole situation's got the podcast kind of screwed up right now, but we're trying to get it back on track. We just have a hard time not sitting in the same room together. That's part of what our show has always been based off of, mm -hmm. and we just can't do it right now, and it, it kind of hurts. Kind of hurts. Yeah, it's, it's like we uh, we grasp the opportunity to talk to one another here and at no other point. It's like, uh, dang it. Yeah, yeah. But we hope everybody's staying safe. Hope everybody's enjoying their Dynasty rookie drafts. And, and we hope you will join us for the next episode, which – all intents and purposes 
we hope to do on Friday because there's plenty to talk about still. So we'll see what happens. All righty. I guess we're signing off. Signing off. Bark is out. Good night. Peace. This concludes another episode of the Back Row Fantasy Show. Thanks for listening, and be sure to give us a review. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.